What's up, everybody? It's the Locked On Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Thanks, everybody, for joining me today. Sabres are in St. Louis to play the Blues. Uh, You're probably listening to this on Thursday. I'm recording this pretty late on Wednesday. Um, So tonight, we'll go with tonight. Um, 8 o'clock puck drop, so uh, we got an extra hour. So it's not quite Sabres after dark. We might get a little of that, I think, coming up, by the way. We got a West Coast trip coming up for the uh, for the Sabers. I miss Sabers after dark, of course. I am a night owl um, naturally. You've got two afternoon games coming up. You've got one o'clock matinee against the Canucks on Saturday. Five o'clock against the Red Wings on Sunday. That's a quite afternoon. Um, yeah, close. You'll get eight thirty against the Stars uh, next Thursday. So this is about as close you're going to get to Sabers after dark for a while here. So Sabers and Blues. Lawrence Pilot, by the way, um, hopefully will enter the lineup. If you didn't see at practice uh, yesterday. Wednesday morning, Pilot was on a pairing with Rasmus Ristolainen, which would bode well for his inclusion in the lineup in St. Louis. Zach Bogosian skated as an extra. I hope that happens. I think Pilot's one of the best four defensemen in the Sabres organization right now. And I, I'm a believer in that if you put him in the lineup, he might play well enough to where you never take him out. And you start to wonder why he wasn't here sooner. So we'll see if that gets going in St. Louis. Michael Froelich may be playing his first game uh, in St. Louis as well. He skated... First practice with the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, he was on a line with Marcus Johansson and Connor Sherry, the de facto second line uh, pretty much for the Sabres. So maybe Froelich gets his Sabres debut against St. Louis and possibly uh, Lawrence Pilot with his first game of the season. For more on the Blues, and uh, we'll reminisce on the Ryan O'Reilly trade a little bit here. I am now joined by Josh Hyman from Locked On Blues, getting into the Sabres' next opponent a little bit. Josh, I don't know, uh, I'm sure you can understand this, but the last time the Blues were uh, in town to play the Sabres, and I did a little reminiscing on the uh, on the O'Reilly trade. Listeners were yelling at me, like, shut up, we don't need to be hearing about this, and revisiting probably the worst trade, um, I don't know, maybe in the NHL in the last 10 years. It, it was, I mean, I disagree with you there. I, I'm a big fan of that trade. Really? Well, <laughs> but, oh, oh, I see what you mean, yes. <laughs> yes. But, um, no, but I, I think... The first thing that I think of when I think of that trade is similar to the the Fabry trade that the Blues made this year was that wasn't really a trade that the Sabres made for them. It was a trade that they made for O'Reilly, just like the Mm -hmm. Blues kind of got rid of Fabry for for a lot less than fans would have hoped for. But Fabry's now thriving in Detroit, getting a lot of getting better minutes. So Mm -hmm. I think that's one of those one of those things where, yeah, Buffalo was obviously trying to get the best assets they could. But at the end of the day, it was it was to try to make Ryan O'Reilly happy and was try to, you know, like he said, he had lost his love for hockey. It was it was pretty rough stuff from him. Mm -hmm. And I think that at the end of the day, you kind of got to look at it with the take it with a grain of salt, the the return there, because, you know, he he wanted out. That was pretty clear. He, He was definitely moving no matter what. And as much as as much as the return was underwhelming, I, I mm-hmm. think he was he was gone, regardless of of what you got for him. So yep. I mean, in, in my my outlook on the Fabry trade is I'm really happy that he's thriving in in Detroit, and I'm not you know I'm not here to put words in your mouth, but sure. I, I think that you know I, I'd hope that it's it's at least on good terms in the sense that there's no there's no bad blood there, and and he's he's obviously thriving more than better than. I expected better than most people expected. Yeah, in St. I, Louis, so. I, I think that's kind of how it's trended. By the way, you can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Um, mm-hmm. To me, the way I look at it is, and the way that it feels is, there's more resentment towards the organization that they had to make this deal. And yes, he was an unhappy player, but 
I've got to be honest, like I, I'm not sure that there aren't more unhappy players in the Sabres organization. It's just kind of how things have gone here because of how bad they've been. Um, and with O'Reilly under contract, I think uh, for me personally, I wanted to see them try to at least start the next season with him and not have to rush that trade. I didn't understand why you had to rush it because uh, he was under contract. But I'm not surprised at all he got dealt, and I don't think really, uh, from my vantage point, it doesn't seem that fans look poorly upon O'Reilly for uh, wanting the trade. It's more on terms of the organization for the return they end up getting back. And it was it was definitely strange to me because the, the O'Reilly talks were, were getting really hot for a while, and they kind of died out, and the Blues went out and signed Bozak. So, mm-hmm. you know, myself and a lot of other people figured, oh, well, the, the sweepstakes are over, and... You know, the, we weren't even sure whether he was getting traded anywhere, much less St. Louis. I figured we were completely out of the race in terms of that. And then next thing you know, middle of middle of free agent frenzy comes out of nowhere. O'Reilly headed to St. Louis, so it was it was definitely strange in that sense that the talks had kind of seemed to die out. And not mm-hmm. only that, but they had seemed to been going on for so long that the return. You know, I was very very happy when I saw that St. Louis was giving up as little as they did sure um but it definitely took me by surprise with how long the negotiations lasted i figured oh the price is way too high at this point that's why they're that's why they're out and then on the flip side once they said once the trade actually happened and then it took about 20 30 minutes before the the return got announced i was i was preparing for the worst because of how long the negotiations lasted but Mm. see see what what my thought on that night going back to that night i knew and i remembered that o'reilly was due a roster bonus at the uh at midnight that day and my thought was when i saw that was oh no they rushed the trade they didn't want to pay the roster bonus and really the the way sabers ownership and management has talked about it's like oh money's no issue like if it's good for the team then we're gonna say money's no issue but when they made the deal and it was that night only a few hours before the roster bonus was due my first thought was I really hope they didn't rush this thing and even looking back now um, I, I wonder if they did rush it because of that let, let me let me steer the conversation more towards what he's been as a player since he's gone to St. Louis because sure. he was a very good player in Buffalo like no doubt like he was to me a good number one center uh, while Jack Eichel was starting to get uh, his legs under him in the NHL right. and I wonder if they thought, hey, because Eichel has really taken a big step and we think he's able to be a number one center, we don't necessarily need O'Reilly in the the fact that like we, we want a number two center, of course, but we don't need a number one type of center playing in that role. And I wonder if you believe that in St. Louis, like that's the spot he's in, because I haven't been able to watch as much of them this season um, as I did, of course, in the playoffs last year. But it seems to me that he's still like a, an NHL number one center and he's doing fine in that spot. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a problem that the Blues had for a really long time was that number one center spot. And one of my biggest beliefs, and you can look at it historically, is you can't win a cup without a number one center. If you go back, you're very hard-pressed to find a team that doesn't have that solid number one. And we've cycled through so many names. We had Yuri Laterra up there for a while, which was... Which were were some some sad times, and we had you know Braden Shen, Paul Stasny, David Backus, all these guys that I would really categorize as one B at best. Sure. You know, not not to take anything away from them, they're they're tremendous players, but they were missing that that one that that impact player, the guy that can go out there whenever he's on the ice. You can say, okay, he I'm not I'm not worried about giving up a goal. I'm not I'm not worried about him making mistakes. Some guy that can go out there and you can really rely on. And I feel like part of the Part of the reason O'Reilly's found so much success in St. Louis was almost by accident that you know bringing in Craig Berube halfway through the season and mm-hmm. he adopts this style of or he adopts the style of play for the team that is perfectly molded to O'Reilly and allows him to really 
thrive as a number one center, that defensive first mindset, which is the definition of Ryan O'Reilly versus in Buffalo. It was kind of, yeah, he was a great defensive center, but it wasn't necessarily always their game plan. And he sure. wasn't using his, using it to his full capabilities. And then next thing you know, uh, Craig Ruby takes over and he goes on to, you know, be the anchor of this team, wins a con Smythe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, helps the blues win their first Stanley cup. He's everything I've, I've hoped for in a blues player since I've been a fan. Yeah, and I, I'm jealous that he's 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 playing this well over there because the the one thing the Sabers maybe need more than anything right now is a number two center behind Jack Eichel and the way Eichel's played this year to think that if they'd stuck it out a little bit more and I don't really think they could have because like you said I think the deal had to happen right. but if they could have found a way to make it work right. a, a number two. A, center combination of Eichel and O'Reilly at this point in Eichel's career could have been lethal but um, I I think this year is kind of significant and when you look at his numbers and even last year so I'm just looking at the assist total for this 49 assists last season he's already got 31 assists this year which is kind of crazy considering he's only got eight goals and his high with the Sabres was 39 and I think what's interesting to look at with the Sabres is Kyle Poso, who was the most, he played more minutes with O'Reilly um, than any forward during O'Reilly's time here. And since O'Reilly has gone away, Poso has become, he's gone from really like a, like a 15 to 20 goal scorer, 40 points-ish for Poso to now he's like, you're lucky if you're getting 30 out of him. And to me, it seems that O'Reilly has is playing, I think you kind of just said this, that He's gone from a defensive type of role with the Sabres and not always playing with the best wingers that was more Eichel to where now in St. Louis, like it's not only that he's giving them what they need, but it seems like the Blues are giving him what he needs. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. When you said the Blues are giving O'Reilly what he needs, I, I think that hits the nail right on the head. And whereas mm-hmm. he's obviously he's a great defensive center, you know, won the Selkie Trophy. Uh, not take away from that at all, but the pressure's, sure. I think, off, taken off from him a little bit in St. Louis. He's not relied on to be the the number one defensive anchor night in, night out. Uh, he's got all up and down the lineup, there's solid two-way players for St. Louis, and I feel like it's definitely allowed him to become a lot more of a all-around complete player where his strength is his defensive play versus um, his, his kind of primary focus being a defensive center and then the scoring has come secondary. I feel like with St. Louis, it's been, he's been that defensive guy when he needs to be like, you see it when they play teams like Colorado or Edmonton, where he's out there like 25 minutes a night, maybe not scoring goals mm-hmm. every time or putting up points, but he's locking down those centers, McKinnon, McDavid, guys like that constantly get shut down against St. Louis versus when they play play teams like weaker teams like San Jose we saw the other night O'Reilly was all over the ice um uh put, putting up opportunities and I, I think it's it's more of a comfortable spot for him in the sense that he's not as relied on as heavily defensively as he was in Buffalo and it's allowed him to polish his offensive game a little bit more mm-hmm. while still keeping that those defensive abilities that are that are so valuable Quick timeout here when we come back more with Josh Hyman from Locked On Blues here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Sabres podcast. Continuing our interview now with Josh Hyman from Locked On Blues, of course, the Sabres' next opponent. All right, don't worry, Sabre fans. Last O'Reilly-related question here before I get into a couple <laughs> other things here. Um, but thinking about the package again and what they get back, Tage Thompson ends up being the the star prospect of the, of the package, I guess, um, Obviously, he was the youngest player uh, in the deal, as opposed to Sabatka and Berglund. And the lead-up to that trade, I think we we talked about St. Louis a lot around here, um, being a potential partner with the Sabres for O'Reilly. But 
we never really brought up Tage Thompson as the guy. It always seemed like uh, Saber fans and me personally, we I had my eye on Robert Thomas and to a lesser extent, but to uh, more so than Tage Thompson, Jordan Cairo and those two players right. right now. I saw Cairo. I think the Hockey News had him ranked pretty high the other day among their prospects. Yep. And then yep. Thomas is having a pretty good season offensively. So again, um, I. Saber fans are gonna maybe frustrated to hear about how good these guys are doing. The Sabers didn't get, but it seems like both Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, um, who outranked Thompson in the Blues organization, are both flourishing. The I remember the talks leading up to that trade. The Blues have and have had what they what we fans have considered the, the big three of prospects: Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, and Clem Costin. Mm-hmm. And when discussing this Ryan O'Reilly trade, there was really never a. Uh, uh, scenario in in a lot of blues fans heads that didn't involve one of the big three and tage thompson was also kind of always kind of like the big three. Oh, and here's tage thompson you know right. great great prospect but was a definite step down from those three players but at the same time like i was never comfortable giving up any of those three for for someone like o'reilly which honestly if you go back if you told me today that you can have o'reilly <laughs> you still keep keep o'reilly but you have to give up one of the big three i would i would slightly consider it a little bit more than i would have <laughs> but yeah. But, you know, knowing the player he is. But, um, yeah, I when I saw that not only was the return not including those guys, um, it was it was great because they've been they've been spectacular uh, over in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Robert Thomas is solid last year, really good in the playoffs. And he's found his role this year playing really well. Kairos had his flashes. Um, I remember leading up to the trade, there was some rumor, like uh, an official rumor that got sent around, like hearing O'Reilly shipped off to St. Louis for Robert Thomas. Yes. And I was, I was freaking out. I remember exactly where it was. I was at work and I was like, I was like, Oh man, this is, this is, this is bad. This is not at all what I wanted to see. Um, And then later on in the week after that kind of died out, uh, Jeremy Rutherford, writer for the athletic, he had a mailbag and someone brought that up and he, you know, obviously danced around it because he can't speak for the, the trade processes he doesn't know but he mm-hmm. said from all accounts robert thomas is a guy that's considered untouchable by st louis so right. that is one kind of when i i was given the relief of okay maybe maybe those guys aren't aren't gonna you know get traded away but at the same time i was like damn so that means we, that might mean we're out of the o'reilly race mm-hmm. and then come trade night i was the, the the o'reilly news comes through and like i said it took about 20 30 minutes before the return got announced so here I am thinking, oh boy, is it going to be Thomas? Even though he said he's untouchable, is it going to be Cairo? Is it going to be Costin? And then not only was it none of them, it was Tage Thompson, who, yeah, he's a good prospect, but you know, far and away, right. not as good as as the other three. He was like a and B a B level it, prospect. Right, right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's that's fine. Giving up Tage Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly, and as much as like as much as I, I love Saboka and Berglund as as Blues players, you know, I never never had never thought they hurt the team necessarily their account their contracts and their cap hits were not not ideal so when i saw them when i saw them on top of the trade i was like okay you consider that three players going to buffalo but honestly that's two wins for st louis that's that's you're getting ryan o'reilly you're keeping your big three of prospects and you dump the contracts of berglund and saboka and i think after the after the trade went through the blues ended up saving cap space because of that whole bonus thing you mentioned earlier, that was the big kicker that Doug Armstrong was willing to pay essentially out of pocket that bonus in order to get him early. But it it, it was really better than I mm-hmm. could have ever imagined when that trade got announced. And uh, right. again, like those those rookies, the ones that they've kept, 
have been spectacular and Tage Thompson. I, I unfortunately haven't heard his name too much. Yeah. Over he, in Buffalo, but he, he had fingers a, crossed for him. He had a really tough go of it last year. The good news is him in the AHL this season's gone really well. So that would give you some hope. Hopefully that That's he can get back in the NHL at some point, but he's on the injury shelf right now. So we'll see. Um, the blues. Meanwhile, in the standings, getting away from the O'Reilly part of this year, um, they're way atop the standings, 61 points. But I actually want to ask you a, a question looking forward to the off season. And maybe this could be done this year, but it's sure. weird to me that Alex Petrangelo is still an unrestricted free agent. And not oh, that I, I don't think the Sabres organizations in any position to make a, any <laughs> any any pitch to a guy like that if he were to hit uh, the open market and be like a serious candidate for that but I would want them to try if he makes it to the market so will, do you think Petrangelo first of all makes it to uh, free agency and I'm gonna say not a chance I I just don't I just don't see a scenario where you let the, the captain the first man to ever lift the Stanley Cup yep. for your franchise after the 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 long grueling you know years of disappointment I don't get how you let him walk ever much less a year after winning the cup but again that the the age and the potential cap hit is a little bit daunting first few years you know because if he gets re-signed with St Louis I I can't imagine it'll be anything le- anything less than you know eight years. 10 mil probably and as much as I, as much as I, I would love and blues fans would probably love the first few years of that contract I think we've seen in Chicago guys like Seabrook guys like uh Darmelson mm-hmm. not Darmelson uh guys like Seabrook uh, Seabrook yeah for sure yeah uh they 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 yeah they start out they start out um you know they they play up to their contracts in their early 30s but then the tail end of it it turns into an absolute albatross but Again, I don't want to be. I don't want to be ne- overly negative. I don't want to be, you know, glass half empty kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But I, I could, can't imagine a scenario where Alex Petrangelo isn't wearing a blue note next year. I think Doug Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think Doug Armstrong is is a wizard. He's, he's a genius. He'll he'll move some cap around. He'll mm-hmm. he'll make it work. Um, but it, again, if he does hit the open market, I don't think it's the absolute end of the world. I think you could have a guy like Kareko mm-hmm. uh, fill in that role pretty well but I, I don't think you can spend the money that right. you would save on Petrangelo on anything even close to the value he brings to the team. Oh yeah if, if he uh, if he hits def- the open yeah. market he's the number one defenseman on the market. Right right and, and, and from St. Louis's perspective it's well yeah that that contract's a little expensive and it might hurt you down the road but if you think about it like even if he's a even if you sign for 10 mil and he's only like a six million dollar defenseman five million dollar defenseman by the end of it uh, if that's his play level well Sure, but you know if you if you save that ten million dollars now, what are you going to spend it on? What are you going to do? Because right. you're not gonna you're not gonna replace his his play. You're not gonna replace his value. You're go- going to be worse than you would have been if you didn't resign him. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's true down the road. Is even if even at the tail end of his career when he's falling off a little bit, I still think he's got the the ability to remain a top tier defenseman in his older age because he doesn't rely on speed and athleticism nearly as much. He's just right. a sound, solid player. So, I mean, I don't know is my honest answer. I really don't know what to expect. I pray that he gets re-signed, and I, I'm leaning yeah. towards believing that he will be. But at the end of the day, Doug Armstrong is, in my experience, one of the one of the least predictable GMs in the league. He, he kind of uh, works on things for a lot longer behind the scenes than fans realize, and then out of nowhere, he he'll he drops some bombshells. So who knows? Maybe maybe they're maybe they're you know been discussing all season maybe they've been waiting to waiting you know the whole oh contract save that for the off season 
let's focus on the play right now. Yep. I, behind the scenes, we, we don't really know what's going on, but I I don't see a scenario where where he just walks easily. I think the Blues are definitely going to put up a solid fight, and if he wants to be back, I'm sure the Blues will open up a spot for him. And, and as somebody, by the way, who owns him in fantasy hockey this year, I recognize how <laughs> good he's been, especially offensively. He's on pace for like 67 points or something. Uh, I think I saw a couple days ago. We're going to take a breather here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. We'll wrap things up with uh, Josh Hyman here of Lockdown Blues when we return. Thanks for coming back here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. We're with Josh Hyman from Locked On Blues. You probably tweeted the most positive thing I've seen about these All-Star jerseys, the All-Star game in St. Louis, by the way, if people listening don't know that. Um, And I didn't really even pick up on that it was in St. Louis, and I'm like, what are these? What are these? What's going on here? I'm usually not that critical of jerseys. If you want to try something jersey-wise, teams should go for it, I think, because at the end of the day, you can wear for one year and be done with it. but now that I think I understand a little more, like these, I think these jerseys are actually not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the tweet, the tweet you were talking about, I, I was just sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, I just don't get it. These are mm-hmm. so boring. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm like, wait a minute. I looked at it. I looked at the blue. I looked at the blues note, and I looked at the jersey, and I'm like, that's literally sheet music. I, and I <laughs> yes. mean, no experience with like, I'm not, a, I'm not a musician. I'm not. But like, I, it, 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 as soon as I saw that, I'm like, it's so obvious. That makes so much sense. And of course, I looked. I, I googled, you know, sheet music to compare to make sure I wasn't about to embarrass myself on Twitter. <laughs> but it's so obviously the Blues uh, music notice their logo. For those of you who don't know, a little little fun fact: it's a stylized 64th note, um, which mm. is I believe, or stylized 67th note. Yeah, stylized 67th note to. To um, commemorate the oh, okay when they were the founded inaugural season of the Blues okay yeah so it, it it is a music note and again five there's five stripes on the jersey which is you typically I mean you know not typically but I feel like it's it's an odd it's an odd layout it's definitely the five stripes that looks a little weird but if you look up if you look up sheet music uh, oftentimes there's five five lines so if it, it it only really works for the Blues and not any of the other teams sure but the right. Blues logo on that jersey is in all in all in, a, in essence a, a tribute to their musical that history is cool and that is cool music I, note on sheet music i yeah. definitely like that i like or when i could be wrong i like when no i th- it seemed like you're absolutely right and I, to me i like <laughs> when i like when the nhl kind of models their all the jerseys for the all-star game after who is hosting it because they they didn't really do that for a long time and i think maybe the first time they started to do that, like they kind of did that with Nashville, like the lettering was kind of, right. yeah, I, I don't know what the word here is. Is Nashville a word? But like, you know what I mean. Like they kind of look, <laughs> those jerseys look like Nashville. And then San Jose with like the jerseys that were made from like, uh, from uh, from ocean, uh, recycled ocean trash. Like I, right. I like that they're right. at least trying to get unique with the jerseys. Yeah, but the only the only complaint I have was with that is it took me a, a good like couple hours of seeing the jersey before it no, clicked right. in my head. Nobody around and here knows what I, they are. I can guarantee you that. Right, and I, I just don't. I think that's almost a little too subtle. Sure, it would be it would be cool if there was a whole lot of other stuff going on, and then that was like, oh yeah, and the music note. But like to have that be the primary focus of the jersey is a little underwhelming because I feel like that's just gonna because like I said, it only works for. The blues, in the sense that, in, in the sense that the, what they're trying to go for, a music note on sheet music, it only works mm-hmm. for one team. And as cool as that is, as, as as much as I love that, as soon as I found, it, I'm like, okay, that's really cool. I I love these jerseys now for the blues. It's like, okay, but every other team, you just got their logo on five stripes. It's it's 
it's boring. It it really is, and I'm a little mm. disappointed that St. St. Louis um, getting the All Star game. I was really excited for that, and and I'm I'm a little disappointed that the jerseys are are underwhelming in that sense. But I, I do mm. think the the sheet music nod is is pretty cool, and I, I you know again can't complain. It's it's yeah. it's All Star jersey. The, the the main focus is it's in St. Louis. I think and unfortunately I'm not going to be able to make make my way out there for it but I think they're going to mm. put on a, a great a great event and really hopefully prove that what they're capable of as a hockey city especially off the cup sure. win and they're they're constantly at the top of the the TV rankings up there with Buffalo mm. um they're con- St. Louis fans constantly tuning into hockey games and you know you saw it last year with the cup run the the way that the community came together and, and the parade and all that so I'm really excited um, for hopefully the Blues to get a little bit more national coverage as a result of this All-Star game, to kind of maybe let Chicago take a bit of a backseat. They've had their run, as much as I know that's not going to happen because they sell t- they sell and they get viewers in. But I would love to see um, mm. St. Louis really emerge as a hockey city after this um, after this All-Star game. Yeah. And, you know, we, they lost they lost the Rams and the Cardinals are Cardinals are number one in St. Louis right now. I think that's that's pretty clear. Is um, from just me observing Twitter and observing the fans in general. And I would love to see not only maybe St. Louis become more aware of how cool the hockey scene is, maybe people who don't know, but also just, again, on a national scale. It would be it would be awesome to to finally mm-hmm. start seeing, you know, Blues players in, the, in their graphics and, and stuff like that. But Sure. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Josh Hyman from Locked on Blues. Be sure to check him out on Twitter mm-hmm. at Josh Hyman NHL. Josh, thanks again for joining me, man. Yeah, of course. No problem. Love to do it again sometime. Love to have you on our show. Definitely. Anytime. That's it for me. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's podcast, and I will talk to you uh, tomorrow after Sabres and Blues. This has been the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.